So the next right that we are looking at is the right to privacy, right? And section 14 of the constitution provides that everyone has the right to privacy. So it confers this general right of privacy on everyone. And then it goes on to specify certain things that the right to to privacy entails and the right to privacy entails protection against having your home searched, your property searched, your possessions seized, your possessions taken away from you and your private communications, your WhatsApps with your friends to have those private com communications be infringed, right? For someone to tap into those private communications without your permission, right? So, for instance, if someone takes your phone and reads your messages um, and you and never asked if they could do so, that would be a violation of your priv privacy in terms of your communications and would then fall foul of Section 14 of the Constitution, your right to privacy, right? So, in order to understand the right to privacy, one has to look at the historical context, right? And in the history of South Africa, we had what was referred to as the Immorality Act. And under the Immorality Act, black People, black men and white women, black men in the broader sense and white women couldn't engage in extramarital sexual relations, right? They couldn't marry to begin with, but they also couldn't engage in extramarital sexual relations. And this act criminalized a uh, situation where a white male engaged in sexual acts with a black female and vice versa, right? And in fact, this act allowed for the police to barge into your house, to burst into your house, to, to catch you in the act so that you could be ultimately arrested for violating the Immorality Act. And one can imagine that this is the greatest degree of someone having to suffer their privacy being um, attacked, essentially. And so when we understand Section 14 and the right to privacy under the Constitution, we have to understand it against this requirement that a person's right to privacy be respected and protected in light of how it was violated under apartheid. Now, what does the right to privacy entail? When we are talking about privacy, we are talking about intimacy and autonomy. We're talking about the ability of someone to establish human relations, to nurture those relations without interference, right? Without interference from the state, without interference or minimum interference from other people, right? So in essence, the right to privacy has been characterized as the right to be left alone, right? The state should leave you alone and the and private persons should leave you alone to a large degree, right? And when you were talking about the right to privacy, we were talking about things like your family life and, and your home life, right? These particular things that are private to an individual, now, the Constitutional Court in the decision of Bernstein versus Bester um, set out a test for determining when the right to privacy is being violated. And the court explained that this is a two-step test, right? There's an objective and a subjective element to the test. So subjectively, someone must expect to enjoy privacy under certain situation, right? So subjectively, you expect that no one else will read your WhatsApp messages to your friend because it's your phone and it's your messages, right? Objectively, right, from an objective perspective, right, from a broader perspective looking in, from an objective perspective, from a, a, what a reasonable person would think, right, it would be considered reasonable to have that expectation, right, to that your messages be um, 
be respected and that your privacy or private WhatsApp messages be respected so that subjective and objective requirement in that scenario is being met. So in another example is if we think about the Prince case, right? In Prince, in the Prince case, the later Prince case, Prince felt that he had a subjective right, right? It was his feelings, it was his thinking, it was his thoughts that he had the subjective right to privacy and that to smoke dacha in the comfort of his own home, right? In private. And from an objective perspective, the court said it was reasonable for people to expect that they should be able to be left to their own devices in a private space to be able to smoke a certain amount and cultivate a certain amount of dacha, right? Although the court didn't limit it to somebody's home, right? But if you take the Prince case and you think about it in the context of Mandrax, if Prince had said, I have a, I think that I'm entitled to take Mandrax in my home, in the privacy of my own home, and the state can't say that's Ill illegal because I have a right to privacy. In that particular instance, if you take, if you step back and you look at it from an objective perspective, Prince's subjective expectation of privacy is not objectively reasonable and therefore he does not pass the test and therefore he does not enjoy a right to privacy when it comes to smoking mandrax in his home right the other thing that the constitutional court mentions in the bernstein decision they speak about this continuum right the sliding scale on the right to privacy and they speak about how when you are dealing with a situation where you are, they refer to it as the inner core of privacy, right? When you're dealing with the truly personal aspects of someone's life, you are in your room now, you are in your bedroom listening to your podcast, you're enjoying your privacy, right? When you are around the table with your family, you're eating supper, you're enjoying your privacy, your private life, your home life. When you're with your partner and you want to be intimate, you are exercising your right to privacy right it's protected under there under those particular acts because you're now in the extremely private realm but the more you move further away from the private realm right let's say that you have um your personal uh belongings in your desk um draw at your office right and you at home and someone goes and they walk into your office and they open up your desk drawer and the question is whether or not they violated your right to privacy right i'm not saying that they did and i'm not saying that they didn't but what i am saying is that when a court is faced with that scenario we are in a situation where we're moving slightly away we're moving more away from that inner core privacy in the private sphere of your own home right your own family relationships right your own intimate relationships and we're moving now more towards the outside world and the more we move from your private sphere into the outside world the less likely it is that your privacy will be recognized so when you are in that inner space right your inner realm you're in your bedroom now your right to privacy, right? Your privacy is more likely to be recognized. And the further you move away from that, like you're moving to your office space, your right to privacy is less likely to be recognized. It's important also to remember the right to privacy, like all other fundamental rights, are not absolute and can be limited in terms of Section 36 of the, of the Constitution. And an example of a justifiable limitation would be child pornography although one could also argue that child pornography would fail the 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 test of the right to privacy to begin with because of that um objective uh element not being met 